Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. I want to read a verse and then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, fill this room. We're so glad that it is filled with people, with families. But God, we want this room filled with life, filled with your presence, resurrecting life. Come, come and fill this room, God. We yield to you. We allow you to speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. The title of this message is, Is Jesus Alive? And So What? Because these two questions have to go along. We know Jesus is alive. Any man in the house? Come on. We know Jesus is alive. But what is the implication of this resurrection in my life now? And I say this because if you state that Jesus is alive, that resurrecting life has to have a practical, tangible effect transforming in your life. If there is nothing there, how are you going to sustain that he is alive? And also one question pulls another one. So first I want to sustain why I believe Jesus is alive. And my first evidence is his own claim. The evidence number one is that Jesus is stated that he will defeat death. And you say, okay, but uh, anyone can say that. Yeah, but remember, a lot of people recognize Jesus as this great rabbi, this wise man of the ancient world. He, he was a psychologically healthy man. We know all this, but if you really uh, claim and, and, and state that those qualities and attributes toward Jesus, you also have to consider seriously his claim that he will defeat death. So yes, Jesus is alive. Number two, I believe Jesus is alive because of the empty tomb. The tomb where he was buried was empty on the third day. The enemies of Jesus never could produce a body, even though they could make some sort of plan to overthrow Christianity, that just beginner movement that was, you know, sparkling in that moment, they could simply destroy. Even Joseph of Arimathea, the guy that gave Jesus the burial place, he was part of the Sanhedrin. This, this group of people, these religious leaders that were hating and planning against Jesus. So even Joseph could simply say, I just know that this guy is not alive. He is not resurrected. I, I know what happened because the burial place was mine. I gave them. So, but Joseph of Arimathea never stood against this historical evidence. Number three, I believe Jesus is alive. Because those very disciples, that now after having their leader crucified and shameful displayed... Now they were extremely afraid of persecution. We know that Peter denied Jesus three times. And also the all disciples were spread and scattered because they were afraid. The Bible even says that they were seclu- secluded in a secret room where nobody could find them. But something happened. The risen Christ 
show up in the middle of the room, crossing the walls, and show the marks in his hand and side. Even took Thomas, yes, the unbelieving Thomas, and gave him a chance to touch his resurrected body. Something happened. Because those frightening, afraid men now were bold enough with joy and courage to preach and spread that message that his, their master, their Messiah, Jesus Christ, was alive. There is no other explanation for that. Plus, Apostle Paul, that before was a Pharisee, a persecutor against Christianity. A guy that will not give easily his religious background and his uh, uh, upbringing without a reasonable faith to sustain his doctrine and beliefs. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4, that Jesus was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, verse 5, and that he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. Verse 6, then Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers at one, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. In other words, while Paul was still writing that letter, 1 Corinthians, some eyewitness of the risen Christ could cry out and say, this is false. What he is writing, it is wrong. We never saw any risen Christ. The early church was growing not in a fanatical flush of crazy people. In the presence of eyewitnesses of the resurrection, the church came alive. The church became the extension of this risen body. Now, we see this also in the writings of the apostles. We can't say that those guys were crazy. When we read the writers of the New Testament, our conscience is win over. Their insights into human nature are profound. Their personal commitment is sober and carefully stated. Their teachings are coherent and do not look like invention of a crazy and unstable man. The moral and spiritual standard that they lived were high standards. The life of these men, as it comes through their writings, is totally devoted to the truth and to the honor of God. And I say that because every year we're going to see Time Magazine, New York Times, and all newspapers trying to create a theory, right? A, a hypothesis for the body of Christ. But you know what? If you test genuinely what those men wrote in the Bible. Actually, do yourself the test. In the following weeks of the Easter service, I dare you to read one of the four Gospels. If you think it's big enough, just go to 1 John, one of the small, smallest letters in the Bible. Just read it and check yourself if the, the writings that John wrote was written by a crazy, gullible man. Someone that is untrusty, untrust, uh, un, un, untrustworthy. Test by yourself. Now, all these four evidences will be enough, but I have before my very eye that Christ is alive. I say this because my life also was changed. <laughs> the number five is that today we can see the reason Christ is still working, is still operating miracles, is still changing lives. 
Yes, and this brings me to the next point. The meaning of the resurrection. Because when Christ came back from the dead, he now is accepted in the believer's heart and changed what psychology, what science, what philosophy, what academic achievements cannot change in a human's heart. Now, we have to understand the character of our God. Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 64, verse 4 says, From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. If you get the ancient goddess, the deities of the past, they were all very unpredictable. They were extremely emotional. They were pretty much a projection of human nature. But God states, I don't need anything from humanity. I want to serve humanity. I actually create you, my beloved daughter. I create you, my beloved son, because I want to serve you. And God could not find a way to express this in a practical, tangible, unquestionable way besides sending his own, his own son. Now, again, I need to paint the right image about God. That you need to understand that God does not need anything from us. Let me sustain that with Acts chapter 17 verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives. Say after me, God gives. You can say better, say God gives. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The Christianity message in the gospel is not a, a help wanted sign asking for labors, asking for workers, asking for worshipers. God, to be honest with you, even can't be served because he has no deficiencies. He needs nothing from us. Instead, we have deficiencies. We have problems. We have lacks. The infinite wisdom of God. His omnipotence. It's all available and ready to come and serve us. God wants to serve us. How he will find a way to express that. He tried many ways using some representatives. But 2,000 years ago, he came himself in the flesh of his son, Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give. Say after me, God gives. And he came to give his life as a ransom, as a propitiation, as a price. For many. He came to work for us. Maybe you never saw God the way I'm painting for you. Maybe you even call yourself a servant of God. Maybe you came to the church willing to receive a prayer from the servant of God. Some of the pastors or leaders. But there is the utmost servant. Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to recruit you to meet God's needs. 
God has no needs. Jesus came to bring you to the resources of God to meet your needs. He died to meet your needs. He rose again to meet your needs. You know what our most pressing needs are? Some of you guys came to the church today because it's Easter Sunday. I'm supposed to be in church. I'm supposed to get around my Christian uh, fellows. But some of you guys are right now in a desperate need of health. You are in desperate need for a financial intervention. You are looking for a vocation, a family miracle right now. And I dare to say that Jesus stands ready today as he was 2,000 years ago to serve your need. But let's be honest. All these immediate earthly, worldly needs cannot be compared with the most pressing needs we have. To name it, the need to have our sin taken away. To have a right relationship with our loving God. I want to fix that, but I can't. And number two, I want to overcome death. Let's talk a little bit about sin. And maybe you didn't expect to hear about sin in Easter service, but I have to say that. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are is still in your sins. So the reason God raised Jesus from the dead was to put his divine seal and validation to ratify the saving and sin-defeating work of Christ on the cross. His resurrection is the final signature of God to say it is paid in full. It is done. It is finished. And I want to hear a good amen in the house because that is true. Now, let me extend a little bit more this thought. 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm reading the Amplified Version. It says, For indeed, Christ died for sins once and for all. Amen. The just and righteous for the unjust and unrighteous. You can raise your hand. That's me. That's you, my friend. The innocent for the guilty so that he might bring us to God. God is in this mission of serving and loving us through His Son. His death and resurrection completed, accomplished the work. The debt had been paid. The penalty had been borne. The curse had been lifted. Our servant from heaven had done for us the work that we could never do for ourselves. He take away our sins and make us right with God. So what do I have to do in this, Pastor? What is my part in all this? Should I perform? Should I keep coming to the church in the sense of just to clean my conscience? What, what, what kind of procession or parade or sacrifice or penitence? Is there something I have to do? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now, what makes a gift a gift is because you receive it. If you pay for it, it's not a gift. It's a purchase. It's an asset. It's a good that you just acquired. If it is a gift, your part is to receive. But let me finish that like Paul. 
not a result of work, so that no one may boast. The forgiveness of our sins, no matter how terrible, no matter how long, is not your work. It is God's work. Jesus did it on the cross, and God sealed it with the resurrection. Now, we still have a problem. Because I'm forgiven, I am accepted by God. But we all know what happened in 2020. 3,358,814 Americans died of all causes in 2020. COVID-19, heart disease, Alzheimer's, and diabetes. The number four reasons why more than 3 million people die only in this nation. I personally lost people last year. A few weeks ago, I lost a dear friend of my family. So it seems that death is still hurting, stinging, hurting. And every time, if you ever had a chance to experience death so close, like I personally had experienced in 2016, when my little one, less than three years old, went to heaven. I, I know that something inside of us claims and cries for, this is not right. I was not made to die. Actually, it seems that inside of us, there's this craving, this urgency that seems that I was made to live forever. And you do. We were created to live. Now, I know that scientists, they are looking for the, the exactly DNA particle that uh, ages us. But until now, there's no solution for death. That's why. The resurrection of Jesus is still so precious for each one of us. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now I... I had, again, experienced death very close. And Jesus was visiting a grievous home. Two sisters had lost their dear uh, brother, uh, dead Lazarus, of a sickness. That is not explained in the scriptures. He was probably the provider for those sisters. They were sad. They were grievous. They were mourning. And now Jesus come to talk with them and to give them a prelude, a glimpse, just a teaser of what he was promised to everyone who believes in him. In the conversation in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to one of the sisters, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. I believe, I believe, I believe. Now, I say that many times because that's the following question. That is inevitable. That's why if Jesus is the resurrection, what is the implication on my side? The question that follows is, Jesus says in verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So that's why I didn't mention that my son in 2016 died. He went to heaven. 
He never died. I will never die. But the question remains, do you believe this? I put this question in your lap because that's our part to receive the gift. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Pay attention because this is his key. That God raised Christ from the dead. You will be saved. Let me invite the whole church to stand up this morning. If it's a matter of opening my heart to receive. If it's a matter of me believing in this historical fact. This historical event that divided history into my very life and eternity can be affected if I believe in my heart and I open my mouth to confess. Now let me encourage you a little bit more. Because if you put your faith in Jesus right now, in this morning, if you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. Pay attention. It's very important you listen to that. I want you to understand all the, all the package, all the bundle, all the benefits. All your sins will be blotted out. You will receive the very Spirit of Christ as a free gift in your heart. If you believe in your heart, God will give you the assurance of everlasting life. There's nothing else to do but believe. There's more. He himself will come to serve you. It's not us, the church, my teenagers that's trying so hard to serve you, open the door for you. I'm talking about God serving your needs. And the goal of all these is to glorify and exalt His grace and His powerless, His power when we are powerless. His goal is to glorify His unmerited favor and His unmerited love, His everlasting love and power while we are weak. If we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts, you're going to work together. Everything for your good. Come on church, you're going to help me out in this prayer right now. Because I, I know some of the prodigals are in the house. And some of you that are researching. You are wondering about Christ. Something just pulled again inside of you. That's why you came this morning. I want to give you a chance to express out loud the belief, the faith. That is sparking right now inside of your soul. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, church. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe. I don't deserve. But I believe. I receive today the free gift of salvation. I cannot save myself. I need your grace. God, I believe. You have risen Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, I receive today, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, everybody, come on, yes, 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 yes.